You're listening to the plug with Neil Griffith. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Plug Podcast with me, Neil Griffiths. Hope you're doing well. Happy 2023. Hope the first week of the new year has been kind to you. Merry Christmas, etc., etc. Uh, thanks for tuning into this episode. Uh, we're still rolling into season three. We took a couple of weeks off for the holiday season, but we're back now. And look, we all need some inspiration to kick off the new year, so I thought it'd be a good idea to bring someone on who can help with that. My guest this week to kick off the new year is three-time New York Times bestselling author Mark Manson, who's best known for his self-help book, Subtle Art of Not Giving a fuck. Since its release in 2016, over 15 million copies of the book have been sold, and for those that don't know, it's a raw, no-bullshit look at how we deal with success, what we consider success to be, and what really matters in life. The book is so big that it's now been made into a feature film documentary, which you can watch on digital download from January 11. Whether you've read the book or not, this film is super entertaining, and there's some extensive interviews with Mark, which are funny and heartbreaking and inspirational. I sat down with Mark to talk about the new film and the success he's had with the book since 2016, and how he's dealt with that, and if we're all doomed as we work through the digital age and social media can continues to take over. We also spoke about him working with Will Smith on the actor's recent autobiography and what he's got coming up next. Here's my chat with Mark Manson on the Plug Podcast. All right, welcoming to the podcast, Mark Manson. Mark, thanks for coming on, man. It's good to be here. How are you feeling? We're, we're recording this a little, what, just over a month away from the release of this documentary. How are we feeling, man? I'm feeling good. People seem to be excited about it. Is it, uh, I was just saying before, the the press run, now that you you can put yourself in the feature film documentary genre, how's the press run? Is it as grinding as, as people make it out to be? <laughs> I mean, fortunately, I've done enough book launches that uh, it's I'm used to it. So, uh, you know, it's part of the job. You can't complain. Yeah. Well, we, again, we, for people who don't know, uh, The Sun Alert of Not Giving a Fuck came out in 2016. It sold over 15 million copies. Um we know that this is not the first time you've been approached about put, making this book into a film, um, but it was interesting to see that this particular group of people, they connected with you for for a, a specific reason. What was it about this group that, that put this film together that was was different to other offers you, you had? Well, it, it important, the most important thing for me, so I've never had goals or aspirations to have, be in the TV or film business or whatever. Um, so when we started getting offers, the most important thing to me was just that whoever ended up making something really stayed true to the core values and ideas of the book. And I mean, trust me, there were some crazy offers that came in, some really off the wall reality TV shows, right. crazy sitcoms. Like, I'm sure it'd be fun, but you know, that's not, that's just not what I'm interested in doing. Um, so, when GFC approached me about doing a documentary, uh, and they they have a track record of doing documentaries based on books, it it just seemed like a logical fit. Like I'm not here, I'm not looking to like, I don't know, become like the next, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson or anything. Like <laughs> I I just I just want to write more books and have more people be aware of those books. So um, it it just seemed like a logical fit. It, it was cool to see as well, GFC kind of said was the, the thing they wanted to highlight that may not have been gone into as much in the book was your personal life. 
how was it? I know that like, those series of interviews you do in the film, that was done over a, a couple of days. And it's, I imagine it's just a lot of questions and asking you to dig into stuff. Was that easy for you or, or was that much harder than you anticipated? Uh, it it wasn't hard mentally or emotionally. Um, it was more just hard physically because of long days. And when you're recording for for film, you know, you do everything's multiple takes. So you, you do the same, you answer the same question multiple times and mm. then you do, and you do that for six, eight, 10 hours straight. Um, so it can get tedious at times, but I mean, fortunately the book had been out long enough that I had done tons of interviews on it. Uh, I had, I've shared a lot of those personal stories. I've shared them in various places. I've shared them on podcasts like this before. Uh, so it, it wasn't, I feel like I had multiple years of practice leading up to it um which was very helpful and another thing that you you talk about in the book sorry in the film which i thought was really interesting and granted the book came out in 2016 some of the stuff you said in in the book and now in the film feel so timely right now like specifically the things you said about like instagram is glamorous twitter's a mm. war zone facebook is just watching people get on their lives now we've got tiktok which is a whole other beast. I'm asking this the question, like, for you for help, are, are we screwed? <laughs> like, are things going to get worse? No, I don't think so. I mean, it, th- that's the beauty is that these these principles and ideas are timeless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can go the other way in time. And I remember when I was a kid, people thought video games were rotting everybody's brains. And, and you know, when my parents were growing up, they thought, uh, television was ruining the youth and that kids didn't want to read anymore and, and all this mm. stuff. Like it's people have been freaking out about media and society and technology since the beginning of time. And, uh, and so it's the same game that keeps playing out over and over again. And and I think the core concepts of the book in the film, which is, you know, knowing what's worth giving a fuck about understanding your own values learning to like focus your attention and let things let other things go um these are just fundamentally human i think they're they're going to be relevant forever traditionally on this podcast i have actors and musicians and and touching on tiktok it's kind of like a given now that artists when they're promoting music they need to get on tiktok and try to yeah. get their their songs more plays it was really interesting and fascinating as a, as a fellow metal fan you used the the megadeth metallica example people who mm. don't know dave mustang got kicked out of metallica and almost in retaliation he started this band to rival uh metallica but he kind of missed the point at least in the early days of he was trying to best metallica despite the fact that what he had was also incredible do you think that's still relevant now yeah i mean the the mustang story is it's a cautionary tale of be careful how you measure success because, you know, being kicked out of Metallica, he Mustang adopted a, a metric of success of, I want to be better in Metallica. And on the one hand that served them really well, he sold millions of albums and toured the world and played in huge stadiums. On the other hand, he still saw himself as a failure years mm. and years later. Uh, so it's, it, it's interesting, the human mind, like the, the way we choose to define su- success for ourselves can can be very useful, but it can also trap us and make us miserable. So it's just something that we have to be very careful about. Between the books released back in 2016 and now, have you been approached by people, particularly in the en- entertainment 
space because actors and, and bands in particular, they're constantly dealing with success. And another part you mentioned in the film, which is the 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 concept of unattainable happiness. If I get this, yeah. everything will work out. Have you had that since 2016? I've definitely talked to a number of uh yeah, people in film and music. The 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 one that actually kind of surprised me, the ones I hear from the most actually is athletes. Wow. Uh which is something I didn't expect, but it, it, it kind of makes sense in hindsight. So much of the book is about pain and struggle and failure and how to overcome those, those failures and how to be comfortable with those failures. And then, and especially in a very public format. Um, and it, it's been interesting. Athletes have resonated with that a lot. Mm. I had Josh Radner on, on this podcast. Uh, do you remember the show, how I met your mother? Yeah. Yeah, Ted from How I Met Your Mother. He yeah. he kind of famously after the show, he he said that the more successful the show became and the more famous he got, the more depressed he got because he was under this illusion that as a working actor, you get mm-hmm. a hit show, you get famous, I'm happy. And it's funny, he says now in hindsight, like an actor's dream is to get an Oscar or something like that. And I know that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'll be more depressed than I ever have before because that's the peak. How do you how do you battle something like that with like anyone in any industry working towards something but not necessarily making that the top of the chart? If I get this, then I'm done. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny you bring that up because I actually had a very similar experience after Subtle Art blew up and became yeah. so popular. Um, you know, I went through I went through a a pretty deep depression for six or eight months afterwards. And it's interesting because on the one hand, like I, I, I think it's great to dream and have big goals and ambitions for our lives. Like it, I think it's very healthy for us and it's almost necessary for us. On the other hand, you got to be careful because as soon as you get you, if you achieve that dream, you feel great for about three days, and then you wake up on that fourth day and you're like, oh shit, I don't have a dream anymore. <laughs> and 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 nobody tells you about that fourth day <laughs> and so you 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 kind of spin into an existential crisis and start wondering what you're going to do with your life um which is a very weird place to be after you like when you're a con- like everybody expects you to be so happy and yeah um but you know really it's you you almost feel stuck in a way so for me it was very hard to it took me a few years to kind of unfuck my brain a little bit and and basically kind of create a new dream for myself and and find new goals and new challenges new ambitions um and and stop comparing myself to the last thing you know looking for a new sound in 2023 the new ATH TWX9 is Audio Technica's flagship true wireless headphone These fully customizable premium buds deliver incredible high-fidelity audio with adaptive noise cancelling and dual microphones for professional call quality. So whether you're listening to your favourite tunes, podcasts, or just looking for some peace and quiet, step up your headphone game with the new ATH-TWX9. Available now at JB Hi-Fi Australia and audiotechnica.com. Yeah, well, you said at the start of the podcast, like you had no aspirations to kind of be in in the in show business. I guess yeah. how long of it was it a dream of yours to be a writer? Was this years before the subtle art even became a thing, or was it once the book came out, you realized, oh, I, not only do I love this, but I'm clearly good at it? It was probably my early to mid twenties right. is when I I started to aspire to be a writer. So 
it was about 10 years, eight years, maybe that I kind of dreamed about it. And, you know, and I had all these ambitions of like, Oh, I want to be a bestseller. I want to be in the New York times. I want to mm-hmm. go on TV, like do a book signing, all this stuff. And it all happened in about within like four months wow. <laughs> of, the, of the book coming out. So, you know, you, I had this like list in my head of stuff like, yeah, I'm going to be working on that until I'm like 50. And, uh, <laughs> you know, then like three months later, that li- every, every box on that list is checked and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> what so, do I so do? It really took you a few years to, to get over that slump of I've, I've done what I wanted to do. And now what the fuck do I do next? Yeah, it it messes with you for sure. And yeah. uh I remember talking so I I co-wrote Will Smith's memoir with him and yeah. I remember talking to Will about it and he said that uh Quincy Jones, the famous music producer, um he used to call it altitude sickness. He said that Quincy used to see it with musicians all the time. He said that if they became too famous and successful too quickly, it was like going straight to the peak of a mountain, like they would you know, you pass out because the the oxygen is too thin. Like the 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 way you climb a mountain is you have to gradually go up and stop and acclimate at each level, um, so that you can reach the top in a healthy way. And so Quincy Quincy Jones used to call it altitude sickness, and I was like, man, I I totally relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, working with a guy like Will Smith is that something where he's learning off what you've written, or are you learning off him? Because again, we're talking about an actor who's had a what thirty plus year career. Well, I mean, for me, it's, I was just like a sponge around him, mainly, mainly just as a professional. Like I, obviously I'm not an actor, but here you're talking a guy about a guy who's performed at the very highest level in an ultra competitive industry for multiple decades. Uh, and so just being around him, his professionalism, his team, how he thinks about, his relationship with his fans, how he thinks about his relationship with the media. Um, yeah, for me, it was like having a front row seat in a masterclass with just an insanely successful person for 18 months. It was awesome. Yeah. And going back to what we spoke a little early with social media, there are infinite amounts of people who do self-help videos, courses, whatever you call it, probably one of the most divisive right now. And, and, again, if you love him or hate him, this is all your call, but you referenced Jimmy in in the Mm -hmm. film. Everyone knows a Jimmy. I think on a mainstream level, I can't think of a better person for that character or person, sorry, than Andrew Tate. Mm -hmm. Glamorizing the cars, the women, the plane, everything about that. Do you think there is something good in what a guy like Andrew Tate, sorry, not him specifically, but is there something that, is positive in that message of success is important or, or wanting to aspire to be something bigger is good. Yeah. (laughs) So, Oh man. Um, look, I'll say this. I think, I think it's important for young men to have some sort of role model or, or somebody that, that can give them something to aspire to that, that makes sense to me. And that seems reasonable to me. Uh, and I'm not super familiar with the stuff he says, you know, most mm. of the stuff I've heard obviously is the stuff that's controversial and he gets in trouble for, but yeah. I imagine he, there's, he says some good things. I, I, I don't know. I haven't listened to him, but I, I imagine there's some good things mixed in there about self-esteem and 
aspirations and setting goals and being disciplined and all, and stuff like that. Uh, from what I can see, my issue is that like a lot of, again, this comes back to the question of how are you measuring success? What is your definition of success? And a lot of times a definition of success that seems very good and useful at the bottom of the mountain, once you get halfway up, you realize it's destroying you. And I, I feel like a lot of the metrics that Andrew Tate has chosen as success, like the, his definitions, uh, yeah, sure. Maybe they inspire the guys at the bottom of the mountain, but by the time you get halfway up, like they're, they're going to destroy you. They're, they're not sustainable or useful definitions. Um, that's just my opinion, but it, you know, it's kind of the classic, you know, don't, don't chase materialistic things. Yeah. It does. It never ends well. And I think it's, it's a lesson that most people have to learn themselves. Uh, but it's not any less true. Yeah. I was fascinated watching this documentary as well and seeing some of the, the reenactments play out. I'm mm-hmm. curious, have you seen any of these people again since the book came out? Like, whether it be Jimmy, whether it be the girl you had a crush on in high school, or the teacher who busted you with the weed at school. Have you <laughs> have you met or seen these people ever again? Have they reached out and be like, hey, now that you're very rich and successful, let's be friends again? <laughs> well, not those people in particular, but yeah, yeah, I definitely definitely have heard from people in my past who suddenly are like, hey man, <laughs> we should catch up. Uh, and I'm like, really? really? It's been 11 years since I talked to you. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel now that you have mastered that now again we speak about you struggled in the years after the book coming out mm-hmm. we're now promoting the documentary of this of this book and it keeps um, the numbers of the book sales just keep going up are you in a much more comfortable place you know just for example if this film was to blow up in such a great way that everyone hopes that you know how to you know level your expectations and and level i guess all that hype that's coming your way I think so. I mean, to kind of tie this back into the Will Smith thing, one of the things that he showed me is that managing, I guess, the the pitfalls and the traps of fame and fortune is a skill. Like you, you learn like learning how to deal with fans is a skill. Learning how to deal with people in your personal life who are maybe being a little bit manipulative or want something from you—that's a skill. dealing with the pressure that comes with a lot of attention, dealing with media scrutiny, dealing with haters. Like these are all skills that you develop. And I, I just see them as part of the job description um, and something that I've, I've had to get a lot better at um, over the last six or seven years as I've experienced more success. And so I definitely feel way better positioned today than I did after the book came out for sure. With some of those conversations you've had, like you mentioned, with the actors or athletes, we're talking about the successful things happening for you and then becoming sad. If we use an actor, for example, if a a big movie comes out and it bombs, is there the other extreme of that of, okay, I failed, my whole career is a joke, I should just give it up? Is there that side (laughs) of it as well? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, it's tough because it's... It's hard, you know. I got I I got a really good piece of advice um, after my second book came out because it's funny because my second book came out, it did really well, but 
by the standards of subtle <laughs> art, you know, it, it did horribly. Yeah, so, yeah. so I was kind of caught in this weird mental trap of, of like, okay, I just had this book launch that m- most authors would kill to have, but I feel like a massive failure because my, the previous book was just like so incredibly successful. And I remember I had a, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and, and he said, look, like you have to zoom out here because you're going to have a, over the course of your career, let's say you, you write 20 books. And if you chart, you know, the success of all those books on a chart, some are going to have be really high on the chart. Some are going to be really low on the chart. Most are going to be somewhere in the middle and it's going to bounce around a lot over the course of your career. And so if you ever get too focused on where you are, where the most recent plot on that chart is, you're just going to torture yourself, whether it's super high or super low, you're, you're going to torture yourself and you're going to convince yourself that you're something that you're not. Um, the truth is, is that you, you want to be focusing on getting that average up rather than, you know, this particular book or that particular book or whatever. Well, in the spirit of torturing yourself, moving on from this documentary, are you working <laughs> on any new project books, films? What's, what's coming up later on? Uh, I, I do have another book that I am in the very early stages of writing at the moment. Um, probably still a couple years from that coming out, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and too early to really talk about it a whole lot, but, uh, I actually, I took a lot of time off this year. I've been kind of quiet. It was much needed. You know, I had a, I did three books in a movie in five years. Um, so the, the, <laughs> the time, the, the a slow year has been very, very welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into it. Should hopefully be in full-time writing mode uh, in 2023. Well, that's awesome. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It was great to chat to you. Um, I love the documentary. Congratulations. I cannot wait for everyone to see this. Um, and I hope we hear from you again very soon, man. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. This episode is proudly sponsored by Audio Technica Australia. Subscribe, rate, and review the plug on your preferred podcast platform, and follow us on Instagram and YouTube at the Plug with Neil Griffiths, and on TikTok at the Plug to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways.